Hey everybody, Pastor Joe here. Welcome to another episode of Bothell Amplified. Uh, today we welcome to the pulpit uh, our new Director of Youth Ministries, uh, Sarah Underbrink. Uh, we're super excited to have her on board as our staff. Uh, she joined our staff uh, as of August 1st. Uh, she's been coming to our church with uh, her husband and their kids uh, for the past year now. And we're excited as she has stepped into this new role of youth ministries. Uh, we're excited for what she has to bring to uh, the team and to our youth. Um, the sermon uh, she drew from Joel chapter 2, uh, where uh, she expands upon the roles that we all have as we uh, strive to be live into our purpose of becoming Christ in the community. Uh, check out the sermon here. It's a good one. Hi, good morning. I have never heard Pastor Joe play the guitar before. That was beautiful. We've been coming here for almost a year and it still surprises me when I come and I love that. Um, we've been coming for about a year, kind of getting more and more involved in, uh, in Bothell life. And I actually got the opportunity to work vacation Bible school at the church here this summer. And if you know me at all, you know that this was a really strange thing for me to do because I don't do kids stuff. When we first started coming here, we connected right away with um, Nicole Dibble, the children's director. She is awesome. She's so loving and open and invited us into her heart. And so one day we were at the park having a play date with her and some other families. And you know, she came over to me and she had this tone in her voice that I, I definitely recognize. And it's this tone that says, I'm going to ask you to do something. And I like cut her off right away. I, I said, Nicole, just because I have kids doesn't mean I want to be with them or like them in any way. And then there I was six months later volunteering at VBS because Nicole is really, really good at her job. While I was at VBS, I got to meet some of our youth. I got to spend some time with them, which that is much more in my comfort zone. There's like a whole mess that comes with preteens and teens that I'm comfortable with. I have a little more of a hard time with the mess and the noise of the under eight-year-old set. But so I'm hanging out at VBS, I'm talking to the youth, I'm enjoying myself, I'm excited because I know I'm gonna be the youth director here and this is great. And I got to know this one teenager in particular. Her name is Liv. If you know, you know. She is vibrant and engaging and easy to talk to and I'm just, I'm loving this. This is filling me up inside. One morning she comes in and she's drinking one of these like monster style energy drinks. And I'm like, hey, why, why are you drinking that? Like, don't, don't drink that. That thing is bad for you. It's rotting your insides. And as teenagers will do, she turned to me and said, what's up with that cup of coffee that you're holding right there? Like, why are you holding that? That's going to rot your insides. And I was like, it's different. And she said, well, it's not. It's plant-based. It's not high in sugar. It's no worse than coffee. And I said, okay. I'm going to Google this. I'm going to be back. We are not done talking about this. And she said, oh, yeah, no problem. I understand. This is what it'll be with you. You'll just be like my third mom. And I was like, yeah, like that's Liv. She already has one mom, and then she has a neighbor that's like her other mom. And she's the kind of kid, like, if you want to be in her community, you need to stand in line because she's got so many adults who want to love her because that's how she is. But her saying that to me, like, now you'll be my third mom, that took me back. It took me back to my first job that I ever had working with teenagers. Um, I, I got my first job straight out of college in a high school, and I was 20 and a half. And um, I struggled a little bit to get that first job. I got into teaching because, like, on the billboards on the side of the Texas highways, they said, 
want to teach? When can you start? And I was like, okay, all right, that sounds good. Um, but that sign was a little misleading, at least for me. Uh, turns out they didn't actually want to hire like 20 and a half year olds straight out of college who had never student taught, who had never subbed, none of that. But I did get that job, finally. It was at an alternative high school where all the kids were classified as at risk. At risk of dropping out, at risk of not finishing school. And it was cool, it was a totally non-traditional school. We had non-traditional classes, non-traditional schedules, everything was really, really different, and I loved it. I, I worked there for six years. But that first year, let me just remind you, I was 20 and a half, I had never been in front of a classroom before, and the average age at this non-traditional school of the student was 18. There was one, in fact, who was actually himself 20 years old. Technically, you could attend that school until you were 25, although nobody did, they tended to stop when they were 21. So my birthday is in October, and that first year, one of the cool things that school did was at morning assembly, you would get up in front of everybody and we would sing happy birthday to you on your birthday. This is cool, a lot of the kids, nobody would sing them happy birthday if we didn't, so I supported it, but that first year, I begged my principal, please do not, let's just skip it. Skip it this year, let's not do this, I don't wanna call attention to my age. She did not agree with me, so I stood up there on October 2nd, I listened to everybody sing me happy birthday, and then I fielded questions about my age and why they should respect me as an authority figure for the rest of the day. Probably for the rest of the year, really. There was one student, I remember, he showed up in the middle of the year, it was like November, December, and he had just been released from prison, um, not a juvenile center, but real prison. He had been 18 when he was tried, and he had gone in, he had finished his time, and he was out trying to reintegrate himself into society. He was a really, really smart guy, and he was really very respectful to all the staff members, except for me. He and I were having problems, and I noticed the difference in the way that he treated me. I kept him after class one day, and I was like, what, what's going on? Like, why are we having these problems? What can we do to fix this? How can we work through this? And he said, I'm sorry, it's just really hard for me to be here at all after everything that I've gone through. And it's especially hard for me to have to ask permission to go to the bathroom from somebody that I want to date. <laughs> said, oh, thank you for sharing your feelings. Let's go talk about this outside. That's great, this is a good place. That conversation made me feel super awkward, but at the same time, like, I, I, I got it. I, I get it now. We were in these roles with each other that neither of us were comfortable with being, and we did not have a model to look at, to, to use to pattern ourselves. And, and it was that way with all the students. I mean, it was a non-traditional relationship in a non-traditional school, so it, it helped. Over time, I settled into my role, and I fit really nicely with the other teachers who were there. We had this older math teacher. She was kind of the grandma. And then we had like the sweet, empathetic um, English teacher, and she was like the mom. And then I was, you know, kind of like the cool older sister. I can say I was cool. You weren't there. You don't know. So for like almost 15 years, I've been in relationships with kids that were not my own. That relationship has been evolving along with me. At first, I was trying to be like kind of a peer mentor, and then the older sister role. In my last year, in my last job at a high school, the students there taught me that I was actually a millennial. I didn't know. Gen Z hadn't been coined yet, so I didn't know what they were, but you know, they were letting me know that 
our generations were different and, and things were changing, even though I wasn't old enough yet to be their mom. But for the last three years, I haven't been teaching. I've been a stay-at-home mom, and those three years have changed me and aged me more than any other years in my adult life. And now, yeah, I am old enough to be a third mom or a second mom or a first mom. And, you know, I don't feel old, and it doesn't upset me to hear that. When I think about this passage of time, what I feel is joy. In our passage this morning, Joel describes the fullness of life, abundant showers, autumn, spring, vats overflowing with wine and oil. I don't know why you needed oil, but I know why you needed wine, and that sounds good. But there will be locusts, right? Like, there's so many locusts. They have named all the different, like, variety of locusts that there will be because there's so many locusts. But through our life, at different times, we will dream, We will prophesy, we will see visions, and we will be in community with each other exactly where we are, who we are, in the exact way that we are. The way that we are in this moment, it's perfect. It's exactly where and who we need to be. Joel is describing in this passage a community of young and old doing life together, experiencing it. Not in a hierarchy, not in a teacher-student kind of way, but in an interconnected relational way. I think what makes us feel old sometimes is when we start to get in our own way. You start feeling like you've seen it all, done it all, and you know the answers. And I completely get how that happens. I have two sons. One is seven, one is three. Sometimes it feels like all I do all day long is answer questions. And a lot of the time, like... (laughs) like a lot of the time, I just want to answer the question and make it go away. Whether that's because I'm busy, I need you to get in a car, why is now the time that you're asking me how deep the Grand Canyon is, or if I could have any superpower in the world, which one would I have? And the one that I had yesterday was, um, who was the first person to ever see the color green? And always they're asking me why, 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 why? When I stop to think about why these questions frustrate me, I realize like what's really uncomfortable about them is I don't know. Like I don't know what superpower I want to have. There's way too many problems with all of them. I don't know how deep the Grand Canyon is and like I I don't know who the first person was to see the color green. And the not knowing, it feels really, really uncomfortable. And as my, par- as my parenting journey goes on, these questions, they are only getting worse. How does Santa get all the toys delivered in one night? How do babies get in mommy's tummies? Why do girls have to wear a top when they go swimming and boys don't? What happens to people when they die? We hear questions like these and maybe we freeze. I mean, maybe you feel like you know the answers to these questions, but I do not. I don't know what to say and I don't know what to do and I can honestly feel like crushed by the feeling that like I need to explain this. I need to have the answer. But I've been thinking lately that maybe the true wisdom that comes from age is knowing that not everything has an answer. Maybe what really matters in life is not the answer, but the experience. I have really, really extroverted kids. They will talk to anyone. They will make nerve-wracking comments, ask them to play with them. I have been in a lot of like awkward situations with strangers because of my kids. 
you don't really know what you or the other person is going to do in these situations, but there are some patterns. I heard a comedian say once, it doesn't matter how old you are or how important you are or what you're doing when a two-year-old hands you a pretend phone and says, ring, ring, you answer it. I can vouch this is true. My kids have handed a lot of strangers a lot of pretend phones. I've learned to like lean into this awkwardness and just enjoy the encounters that it like forces me to have with strangers. Some people are like all in on it, you know? They're like having a whole conversation and they're into it. Others like they want to, but they feel awkward. They don't know what to say. So they're like, hi, how's your day? And my kids don't know what to say either. So that always fizzles out. And then some people, like, they really don't want to do it. Like, I mean, it's, it's true. There are some people in this world who really freeze when you hand them a banana phone. But you know what? Ultimately, they all still answer the phones. And no matter how the person responds, whether they're all into it and they're excited or it's an awkward, hello, here you go, my kids are still delighted with the interaction. It doesn't matter what you say. Kids just want to know that you'll pick up the phone. And yeah, adults always, always answer it because we understand on an intuitive level that the truth of the, of the banana, the actual hard facts of that banana, they don't matter as much as that kid's experience of the banana phone. We want to tell kids, yeah, that's right. We will pick up your phone. We may not be good at it. We may not always know what to say. We might not always say the right thing, but we're still going to pick it up when it rings. As kids get older, it gets harder than just picking up a pretend phone, and we get more and more scared. We're scared of doing the wrong thing, saying the wrong thing at the wrong time, and not just with kids, but with each other. When your friend or your family member gets that bad news, it feels like it should be easier to call them and spend time with them. But actually, it often becomes harder because we deeply don't want to do the wrong thing. But the banana phone teaches us that the right answer, this is not a phone, it's a banana, and it doesn't make phone calls, that's not as important as being there in the moment. Someday your kid is going to figure out that the banana phone doesn't work. You don't have to teach them that. The answers aren't as important as the shared experience because actually my kid doesn't really want me to say that the superpower that I want is flying because that answer just ends the conversation. What he wants to know is, why do I want that superpower? He wants to talk to me. He wants to go through it with me. And it's the experience and the conversation that he's looking for. With this in my mind, as I step into this new role as youth director here, I'm reminded that my role here is not giving answers to preteens and teens. It's not about me, the superhero, creating the Bothell Youth Ministry that's more about me than it is about you. I am entering into this experience with you, with the preteens and the teens, yes, but also with you, the parents, the grandparents, the little and older siblings, all the adults who are here in this community. I'm here to talk with you, work with you, grow with you. I invite you to walk with us, talk with us, pick up your phones. Youth ministry is not a self-contained question and answer session between me and kids. It's a part of you. It's a part of your church, and you are going to be seeing us. You're going to be seeing us on Sunday mornings. You're going to be seeing us at your service projects, in your ministries, and we are going to be experiencing life with you, questioning with you, discovering and creating with you. 
Joel reminds us that our life gives us abundant harvests and it gives us locusts. Our old men will dream the dreams of their past experiences and our young will see visions of the future and our sons and daughters will prophesy. And we will do all of that. We have done all of that. And we will be with each other as we do these things because the Lord, our God, has worked wonders for us. And one of those wonders is that our old men and our old women pick up the banana phone when the kids make it ring. Not because they have the answers, but because when they were kids, somebody picked it up for them. Amen. All right, so that was our sermon from Sarah Underbrink on Joel. Uh, we're excited for all that she has to bring to our youth ministries and to the life of our church. Um, and we're excited for how God is at work in our communities. Uh, today, we uh, challenged our people at Bothell to uh, live into our purpose of becoming Christ in the community by uh, reaching out to somebody of a different generation and just checking in. Uh, what might it look like to call a student you know who is getting ready for the new school year? What might it look like to call an older adult and check in on how they're doing? Um, however that might look for you, uh, check in with somebody who is of a different generation. We love to hear from you how that goes, and we trust that God is at work in our midst. Have a wonderful week. Uh, next week, we'll be hearing from uh, the Reverend Janelle Kurtz, uh, pastor of Snohomish United Methodist Church, and we're excited to hear from her as well. So have a wonderful, wonderful week, and we'll talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.